Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs radio show, where we highlight everyone from the top industry leaders to startups and farmers that make it all possible with Chef Jean Blom and photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Hi, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Food Farms and Chefs. And I am so excited to introduce you to Nina Maria Lara Daniels and Armand Wilson, who are the owners behind Electronic Eats. Hey. Well, <laughs> welcome, the two of you. It's a pleasure to have you on Food Farms and Chefs. Thank so you. Thank you for having us knows a lot about the food truck world who's been very deeply involved in the food truck world for a long time i love your concept i've known of your concept it's a fabulous thing that the two of you did but i think just as intriguing is the backstory of how you even got into this so if you'll kind of take our listeners back to you know that day where you met on you know a movie set in new york to you know the concept of wow, what can we do with like this idea? And then through the COVID years of buying the truck and all that, it would be a great, great backstory to where we're going. You know, it's it's a it's a fun story. So basically what happened was um, both of us were working in film in New York as uh, background actors, you know, the people who kind of make the background look real. Bring it to life. Bring no. it to life. <laughs> yeah. And uh, basically uh, we met on the set of a show called Bull. And the first thing that kind of like um, brought us together was um, video games. We were talking about video games and stuff like that. And uh, pretty much after that, we, you know, we eventually got into a relationship um, over just, you know, finding that we both were very compatible with each other. Um, And then we continued to do our background work for uh, um, a a pretty long time. And... uh, at some point, we started playing around with this idea of like using our gaming and combining it with something. We didn't know exactly what. Um, and then just over time, like, you know, we both love to eat. We both love the game. <laughs> and we're also filmmakers. And kind of like at some point, we started tossing around these ideas. And just kind of after some time, it just it kind of grew into this lunch truck concept because right now in Philadelphia, there's a big lunch truck boom. Um, there's just food trucks everywhere. Um, and there's like, I, I think like almost every day there's a new food truck in town. Um, and so kind of seeing that plus being gamers, plus looking for a, a way to kind of incorporate our, what we know about movies and filmmaking and all that. Like I said, it just kind of fused into this concept of electronic eats. And we figured, you know, how cool would it be to be able to have a food truck like everyone else, but do something like super different, which is to add a, a, a monitor on there, which people could use to play video games and watch movies and play shows and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how it how it happened, like, Right. I think during the, the oh oh sorry, I heard my voice and I stopped talking. Um, during the COVID months, that's when you know really the whole thing kind of came to light, and we were able to take that time away from the film industry. wasn't what well, nothing was happening. All the films had closed down, and uh, you know we were like, man, what can we do? What you know, what can we do to make some money, especially being on the inside, and so. That's when we were really cultivating the idea. 
for Electronic Eats and really bringing it to light. Um, we purchased our food truck during that time. Uh, from <laughs> We used Roaming Hunger, actually, which is a great middleman website that just brings you know, customers with people from around the United States that are selling their trucks and vending machines. So that was really great. Um, the truck actually ended up having a lot of issues. And because the truck was located in Virginia, we weren't able to go there, especially during COVID. So everything that we saw with the truck, it had, it had food equipment, right? But the problem was that um, we saw everything through video chat. And, you know, the guy drove it down the road and was like, hey, it drives. And, you know, was showing us all of the, you know, the, the fridge and stove and everything that was in it and us not really being experienced with the food truck world. We're like, oh, yeah, this could work. Yeah, this is, you know, this sounds, this, this looks about right. It sounds like it's running well. We got the food truck. Lo and behold, it had so many issues. Um, and we had gone to, we had called, um, actually, we had called a bunch of food truck customization locations around Philadelphia and New Jersey. And uh, one, American Mobile Vending, they were able to squeeze us in. And we really just wanted a monitor on our truck, just placed, because you know we wanted to put our TV and, and start the gaming process. We brought our truck in, and he looked at it and was like, hey, guys, uh, I can't put a TV monitor on here unless I fix up your truck. Because he said, you guys are young. Do you want to die? All of the propane lines were wrong. The stove on our way over there actually came off of the walls. So we realized that what we thought was going to be a very simple process of getting the truck and just starting up and putting a TV monitor on it and kind of making it work was going to take a lot more money and a lot more time. And so um, <laughs> what ended up being a certain amount of money ended up being thousands and thousands more. And so it kind of pushed back our, our timing. Um, we had to get everything recustomized. And uh, after that, then we have to get it wrapped. I mean, it's such a long process. If you are interested in opening up a food truck, listen, go for it. I mean, we 100% feel like you should do what you want to do and, and strive for it. But it does take a lot. And it takes a budget. If you have a budget, expect that it's going to be a lot more. You know, if you think you're going to spend this much, it's going to be a whole lot more. Um, so it's been a journey. Uh, well, I certainly know <laughs> that journey. It's I... Uh, consult on and design and do work for food oh, trucks. Uh, wow. and one of the multiple things I do. So when I read your story and I even read, you know, found some research about what you paid for the original truck and I shook my head at first. I'm like, why, why? But then I realized that you didn't have a background in that because, you know, there, there are many other ways to, to go about doing that. And, you know, today you can find food trucks through the, uh, Philadelphia Boat Food Truck Association, and you know, there's so many possibilities, but you know what? Lesson learned, but you guys yep. went on to do some very cool things with that and really become an integral part of the food truck community, you know, appealing to the gaming society. But what I took the most from what you're doing is. It wasn't just about gaming. You wanted to connect people. You wanted to bring people together, not just, hey, we're both eating off the food, same food truck, but you know, people who don't game and people who do game and you know, your games are associated with that from from Mario to other things, you know, and having some fun and you know, that connection. And then you combined in soul food and Latin food to that, which are two 
really amazing cultures to bring together for people because, you know, who really doesn't relate to soul food or comfort food? You know, it's something that brings us all together and lowers our boundaries and lowers our <laughs> walls and we can sit there. So tell us a little bit about that experience. And then when we added, you're at, you know, for a long time, you were at Broaden Spring Garden, you know, so you were in a very big area right by the FOP, by, you know, the school district offices that were up there, by school itself, uh, you know, so much going on. What has been, how has it been received and and what are the experiences people are walking away with? Well, so just to kind of go, just what you were saying about the gaming, um, you know, uh, in Philadelphia right now, there's a, a big initiative to kind of elevate Philadelphia into this sort of gaming and tech hub center. Um, and it's it's kind of, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a big task because, um, you know, if uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but gaming has... I mean, gaming has always been big to a degree, but it's really exploded in the last few years. And you have a lot more people who probably haven't gamed that are gaming. And it's it's reaching a wider audience than it's ever had. And uh, that's thanks to just social media and like the different types of games now and stuff like that. Um, and as gamers, we wanted this truck to kind of like, like, like you said, bring people together because... The, the beautiful thing about gaming is that, first of all, it's it's a fantasy. It's an escape, right? And we all need an escape. We all need to have something we can kind of put our, just kind of let ourselves just kind of like free into. And it also, it's, it also brings out competition. So that competitive element brings everyone together because, you know, so as you were saying, like when we're parked, um, we'll get random people coming in. We'll get kids. We'll get people of all ages come through. And to start gaming, we have different kind of competitive games: Mario Kart, we have fighting games, <laughs> Street Fighter, Tekken, Mortal Kombat, and all that fun stuff. And um, it's really amazing to see how, in that moment, two people can completely forget about all their worries in life, who that person is, what they're all about. The only thing that matters is I'm going to beat you in this game, <laughs> and it is, I'm going to, I'm going to do a spectacular, and then I'm going to get something to eat afterwards, you know, <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, that, that's a big part of it, and when we learned about that initiative from the city, we jumped on it right away, so we're actually, uh, we did an event uh, earlier this year called the Philadelphia uh, Gaming 2023, and it got really big into how Philadelphia is trying to do, as I said, you know, trying to kind of use gaming as a way of kind of elevating Philadelphia. And now I, I, I would, I like to say that we're a part of that initiative. We're trying to work with, um, you know, city council and other um, gaming uh, events and, and, and organizations around Philadelphia to, to kind of bring Phil uh, gaming into this wider audience and to unite everybody through gaming and not just gaming, but also the arts as well, because that's also a part of this as filmmakers, we want to use our like filmmaking vision and ideas we have and the, the short films we make to kind of unite people in this sort of interesting platform of just crossing over arts or games and um and uh, food and uh, yeah and um you know and it, it has not been easy because um, in the very beginning of this journey and we're still in the beginning really but in the very beginning beginning. Um, a lot of people kind of walked by us 
and didn't really pay attention. So we found that it, it wasn't enough just to to just look, just sit there and look nice and look pretty. We had to actually reach out. Hey guys, we like to play. Um, sometimes we even had little challenges for people. If you beat me in a game, you get free fries or something right. like that. And so, but now now that we've kind of learned a lesson in terms of how we promote ourselves and stuff like that, we've definitely seen a lot of people coming in. Um, we once had this woman who had to be in her 60s play me in Tekken, and she she was did, good. She did a good job. She was good. Um, and I, I love stuff like that because, because uh, it, it really shows how you know gaming is only for everyone. It's, it, 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 we always we have an, an idea in our mind that it's, it's just for one group of people, but it's really literally for everyone. Anyone can get good at it, and you can play at any age. Uh, my dad has started gaming some. And that's really what this is to do, is to kind of use food as this sort of glue that brings people together with the gaming and with the, with the film element. Right. And just to kind of add on to what you're saying, um, in the beginning when we were, you know, trying to get people to come and check out the truck and check out the gaming, we would just park outside and we would think that it would bring people. So, you know, since it's such a new concept, video gaming on a food truck, people don't really look you know they didn't really notice the gaming until they noticed it right they'd walk by and they'd be like oh wait wait you know a double take and then they'd see that there's actually gaming on the food truck and that was completely different and you don't know how to respond to that so that's a new thing going to the food that you're talking about um we we have like a fusion comfort food so we do have soul food elements uh we also have latin elements but we do do Taco Diaz, which are a taco quesadilla fusion. And we have several different versions of that. We do smash burgers on soft pretzel, literal soft pretzels. And we do mm. smash burgers. Um, and then we also do loaded mac and cheeses. And our menu items are constantly changing. So we kind of keep in mind gamers. We keep in mind the people who are trying to be on the go. We keep in mind people who are trying to get a as natural of a flavor as possible, <laughs> you know, we really um, are keen on trying to provide you with good tasting, non-rushed hours and hours and hours of preparation uh, food, <laughs> you know, not quick right off. Let's just put this salt, this sauce that we got from the supermarket. You know, we really try to handcraft everything. And um, we've been noticing that just, you know, having people come on and try the food and, and play games, we'll have, you know, a 60 year old, white woman from the suburbs who's hasn't played you know a video game in I don't know how many years come and play with a boy from you know North Philly and sometimes we have these interactions that otherwise wouldn't have happened in everyday life and it happens on the truck and it's surprising and it's wonderful you know when you see people like this you'll have a cop that hasn't played video games or hasn't had time to play video games in over 20 years and they'll come to the truck and you know, at first it might be, oh, I can't, I'm working. But then after a couple of persuasion, hey, just just play, just it's just a quick round. Then they come in and they're like, yeah, okay, let me just let me just play a quick round of Mortal Kombat. And they love it. So this is the kind of stuff that for us, and we're not charging for gameplay. And you really don't have to buy anything to play on the monitor, right? I mean, it, it, it's nice. It helps us. It helps us get out there more. But if you just come and you play a game, that satisfies us. We love that. That's the joy that we get from it. We want to go everywhere. If we could, we would be in all parts of Philadelphia and Jersey, just having people unite and play games. Finally, you know, it's not about, you know, we, we get sad when people are like, Oh, I just don't have time anymore. 
I have kids. I can't, you know, get, get in the games anymore. Well, you know, come here and just play a couple rounds of whatever kind of game, you know, meets your fancy. We have hundreds of games. We, we really bought a bunch of games during COVID to prepare for this. And we have a whole library. So it's just the fun of. So as we wind down here in our last couple minutes, quick uh, two questions for you. Uh, one, on a more personal note, uh, who beats who when you're gaming each other? And two, tell our <laughs> listeners where we can find you and what's next. Are you planning additional trucks or are we planning a brook and mortar? But right now where our listeners can find more about electronic eats. So we're, we're actually uh, pretty, uh, uh, we're like roaming still. Um, we had a spot at Broad and Spring Garden, but we're not as there as often just because uh, as a, uh, once the summer hit, people weren't there as much. So we've actually been doing a lot of events and booking events. So the best way to find out where we are is to check us out on Instagram. Um, we're going to have a schedule posted that'll tell where we're going to be able to event, what location. Um, and um, on top of that, uh, when it comes to gaming, uh, you know, Nina is a great gamer. So we're, <laughs> we have a pretty, pretty strong rivalry. She kicks my butt. It depends some, on the game. On some games. Yeah. Yeah. Tekken, Tekken is my thing. Yeah. So uh, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Yeah. I'm yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but uh, in terms of the future, uh, I think, well, we, we have a lot of plans, honestly. We have a whole bunch of plans, but in sort of like the immediate next couple years or so, and once, once things get to the, where we want it to be, uh, we're looking for like a, a dedicated gaming restaurant nightclub concept. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a little work in progress. Obviously, that would take some time, but that's kind of right. what we're eyeing for. We want to go big. We want to kind of continue that vibe that we get mm-hmm. in the truck, especially with the music and stuff like that, and take that to the next level inside of an actual like brick and mortar uh, physical location. Right. But also, um, please, you could follow our food truck story and saga on twitch.tv, uh, electronic eats TV. And um, there we really showcase like the struggles of the food truck, the benefits of the food truck, what we've been dealing with, um, going to events and our food spilling out of the fridge and all over the floor. Um, we're also planning on turning uh, our Twitch channel into a, a full length broadcast with shows that we've created ourselves um so if the audience wants to check out you know what we're doing please follow us at twitch.tv slash electronic tv um and there we have everything <laughs> the whole voyage and more all right well, thank you to both very much thank you thank you very much all right and we will be right back after this short break Join us on Food Farms and Chefs Radio Show, where we highlight everyone from top industry leaders to startups and the farmers who make it all possible with co-host Gene Blum and Amaris Pollock with original episodes that debut every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on WWDB 97.5 HD2 and at WWDBAM.com and on your smart speaker. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. And I have the honor and privilege of introducing you to Rich Chagat, who is the owner of Osterio 545, and his chef, Randy Smith, to Food Farms and Chefs. Guys, welcome. How are you doing? Hello, thank you. <laughs> no problem. So I'm going to actually first jump into a question for you, Rich, which is you... Um, you took over the the location that was previously Nino Gervasi's 
Um, and yes, in Paulsboro. So how did you, but you're also a businessman by nature, um, or, or your career choice. So how did you actually get into the restaurateur business? Uh, our restaurant has always been a dream and I pretty much had it with corporate America. <laughs> and <laughs> the opportunity came up and, and uh, I, I executed it. Exactly. Now, I know that with restaurants, owning restaurants, it's, uh, you know, obviously there's a small, you know, window of uh, financial um, accruement, <laughs> like, or financial gain. But given that you are in, used to be in the uh, corporate world, you kind of like the numbers guy. So how, how did you bring that into this particular situation? So with all my research and, and looking into it, you know, it, it, if you have a successful business restaurant, it, it, you need to be prepared to run for two years. At least that was what my research told me. And if you have the appropriate chefs producing good product, you you will survive. We have a bar, so that also helps a little bit. Um, it's it, And we're coming on our two-year mark uh, within the next few months. Which is very exciting. So yeah. uh, a little plug there. Are you guys going to celebrate with a kind of anniversary or anything? Oh, haven't decided yet. We're still a few months away. <laughs> and I see Ran Chef Randy is uh, smirking a little bit. So I feel like maybe there is something in play. Um, but uh, I will I will jump to the fact that, you know, you guys have a very Italian kind of based, um, obviously like an Italian based restaurant. What are some of the things that you guys offer? We we are I would call it modern Italian. Um so, so my previous career, I spent a lot of time traveling and had enjoyed and trying to pull all my favorites from all the different restaurants I was at, you know, and I'll say to the chefs, boy, I, I, I like black pasta and they'll whip up a black pasta dish. We taste it. My wife and I, uh, who is my partner, um, we'll taste it and yeah, let's go with it. So, so on our menu, the black pasta is actually my favorite dish. Um, but but the guys put wonderful dishes together all the time. Now we when you have a, we have a set menu. Uh, you know it's it's not very, it's not a huge menu. Our our menu uh, we like to think that we want to what we do we want to do perfect um, instead of a lot, a little. Um, we do change it. We give the chefs a, the opportunity to be creative with weekly specials. Uh, we'll typically run two or three weekly specials every week. Uh, it gives it gives the chefs a chance to enjoy their creativity. And I mean, jumping over to Randy, like obviously you are the chef right now and making waves, you know, for your menu. So, what are some of the specials that you offer up? Well, this week we have one special going on. It's going to be a pan seared mahi mahi with a sautéed spinach with uh, red onions sweet potatoes, and a Calabrian vinaigrette. That sounds delicious. So, got to take the fresh fish. Got to go with what's in season. Spinach is always in season, but it's also a nice fresh ingredient to go. Sweet potatoes are just a great complement. And the Calabrian pepper vinaigrette, you have that sweetness with the potatoes, and then you're going to have the pepper, so you have a little bit of zip to it. So it's just going to give it, think outside the box. It's like, that's the whole thing when it comes to food. I've been doing this for 
over thir- about 38 years, almost 39 years. Like you got to have fun with it. And my biggest thing is as long as our guests are happy, that makes me happy. Now, I, a little birdie before you uh, hopped on, had told me that you've, you've been on some television shows too. So what's your history within the culinary industry? I started when I was about 13, 14 years old, working with different caterers, went to Johnson & Wales College, which switched over to Johnson & Wales University. And I've been in the industry. I had the opportunity to do some TV things. I've had the opportunity to cook for a lot of different famous people. Like I'm not at liberty to say all of them or any any of that without their permission, but I've also traveled. I've got to see restaurants, whether it be a bar restaurant, whether it be a chain style restaurant I've worked at. I've worked at so many different places. It's like my experience, it's just going to bring a different level. And I know we have Bruce Santino, who also owns Black Sheep Farm. We get a lot of our produce from Black Sheep Farm, as well as I know we use Stilato Markets. And they deal with a lot of the local markets too. So we're getting from black sheep and we're getting from local markets and local farms and we're keeping everything as fresh as we can. So it's nice, fresh for the table, nice and fresh local ingredients. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I wanted to make sure that we touched base on the the black sheep uh, farm only because uh, most, you know, everybody that, that goes out to eat now, there's a huge, there's been a huge trend with farm to table. It's been mm-hmm. ongoing for a while. Um, but you guys, you know, have the added benefit of having your, your co-founder also owning a farm as well. So he's able to bring that like absolute freshness with, you know, hopefully the, not as much of a price point that take, you know, taking ahead of a price point because, you're not having to, you know, a- accumulate the the cost. You have somebody who actually owns the farm. You get that freshness mm-hmm. and you have, you know, an inlaid purveyor. That's it. Like the freshest ingredients for everything. Okay. Now, I do know that both you, yourself and Bruce are chefs. So do you collaborate together with the things that he's growing in order to offer, you know, the like a, the specialties? Yes, we do. We talk, Bruce and I, if I'm not there, I'm usually texting him. If if it's my day off or if it's his day off, he'll text me. We always are in communication about everything. Like if he comes up with an idea for a special, we got to make sure that we have everything there. So it's like me with doing a lot of the ordering. It's like if there's something that's not coming from the farm, I got to make sure that we have it in stock and vice versa. It's like if there's something that I want to do and it's something that's from his farm, I got to make sure I communicate with him. So we make sure that we have the right ingredients. Obviously. Now, speaking of the right ingredients, something that you know, is crucial to every restaurant is, you know, marketing yourselves and getting yourselves more like not just by word of mouth, but also, you know, popular in so far as the, you know, the local community is concerned. And you guys have deeper ties into the community because if I were if I remember correctly, while I was researching you, you even have um, somebody who's kind of a little famous who was tethered into your roots um, when you first started, Kevin Smith. So that that does go back to um, Nino Gervaisi's. Yes, there was, uh, I, I believe it was Jersey Girls that were, I believe that's what it was. was yes, filmed, Jersey. Jersey Girls was filmed, you know, years <clears throat> before I even dreamed of having a restaurant. Um, 
And he was spending his time, the, the filming was in Paulsboro at the high school, and they were spending their time in, in the restaurant. And, you know, that that helps out because that that definitely spreads word of mouth of, of your restaurant, even if it was a pre under a previous um, ownership. But, oh. uh, you know, definitely coming into into your own because, you you know, initially had a chef who was related to Nino's, you know, so it was a nice little um, tether together into owning yes into owning your owning it as Asteria but I know that you also kept the bar located where it was originally located you didn't you know gut that out and you expanded upon the different the dynamics of the restaurant of itself correct the the bar itself is uh the Paulsboro Historic Society has it roughly 125 years old right now uh it still has you know names carved into it that we just refuse to sand down and refinish and lose that history. We, we do love it. So we did modernize the bar a bit. We put, you know, shelving in front of the back bar and, and LED lights just to, to make it a little, uh, bring it, bring it to it with a modern flair now, but not lose the history behind the bar. Which is key. Cause right. I mean, anybody who goes to a restaurant, especially when they're like, when they, they learn the history of it, it, it's like, it adds to just the, um, experience overall. Um, I have couples, I'm going to interrupt real quick. I have couples that, that are regulars that, that come in and actually met at the bar 40 years ago and 50 years ago. And I'll say, we were right there. That's where we met right at that corner there. Oh, that's really cute. Do you ever like throw pictures up on the walls to like commemorate those moments? No, but that would be a great idea. <laughs> I do know a, a restaurant in Philadelphia that does that. I mean, their walls are filled with frames and I don't want to mention it because I don't want to pull attention away from you guys, but right, it's right. a wonderful idea. And also, you know, for, you know, involving the community too, like people come in and they go, Oh, I know who that is. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a very interesting, uh, it adds to the feel. Um, <clears throat> so let's throw back again to, you know, what you guys offer, because I know that you, you offer a bunch of different things, including cocktails. And, you know, it was exciting because you got your liquor license early on. Um, which I know New Jersey is a little bit difficult to get your liquor licenses. And, you know, there's only so many that, that they allow. Um, but what are some of the cocktails that you offer and, you know, do you ever do pairings with, with the cocktails or the wines or whatnot? So, so yeah, uh, we, <clears throat> our bartenders and we have fabulous bartenders and they will, we'll do weekly bar drink specials and, and we'll rotate between the bartenders and each month. Now they, they come up with a special uh, drink, you know, if it's, and it's normally related to what's going on. Um, you know, Christmas time, there's, there's, I, I forget what they name them, but there's a Christmas drink and there's a, I think one was the Grinch. And right now there's a cucumber martini going on. So they are always, you know, making a drink and, and my wife does all our social media. So she'll film them and pop it on, on, you know, Instagram and, and Facebook, uh, the bartender making that particular drink. It, it's, it's pretty fun. Uh, we do, we have done a wine pairing with Cheska wines uh, that the chefs will get the, you know, bring in the wines and they'll pair it and collaborate with the winemaker. And have, it's just been amazing. Our wine pairings. Now, 
Randy, what are some of the, your favorite dishes that you've made that, um, are on the menu right now? And do you have a, a particular wine that you would like to pair with that? Honestly, uh, I can't say that I have a favorite dish on the menu because all the dishes are great and it's really the mood that I'm in with what I'd want to eat, but it's like one of my favorite dishes that's on there right now. I know Rich is going to not be happy about this one, but, uh, our new pork chop that we just put in introduced for the summer season. The it's one got, with the blueberries with the blueberry on it? salsa yes <laughs> like i wanted to go with the local get the fresh blueberries from jersey jersey blueberries are the best and it's just a great pairing it's like i've been to so many different restaurants where they do like peach or an apricot or something with it i was like gotta think outside the box gotta think more local and that's where i came up and was like i've used blueberry salsa in the past with many things done it with fish did it with steaks i'm like this would be a perfect pairing to go with the pork chop. And I know the pork chop, a lot of people love our stuffed pork chop. Don't get me wrong. It will be back on the menu. <laughs> it's just, it's a seasonal thing. And we wanted to just give something a little bit different. But I'd have to say my favorite is every week coming up with a new special that's going to last the week because it's letting Bruce and myself experience and play outside the box and do what we do best. It's like both of us, Bruce, 18 years in a kitchen, me, 38 plus years in a kitchen. It lets us use our talents to show what we can do to try and bring in more. This is so true. Matt, let me give you a background. Uh, let me give you some background. So, so the <laughs> chef will, will, will come to me and say, okay, we want to change the pork chop. And now we have a, a stuffed pork chop on the menu and Brussels sprouts are on the menu. And 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 they'll say, we, we'd like to make some changes for the summer on our summer menu. And they'll identify items. And I'll right away go to the computer. And I'll, well, we sold uh, 86 of these last month. And, and you want to change it? You want to drop? <laughs> and they'll, they'll say, well, okay. And then they'll disappear. And then the next thing you know, there's a plate in front of me. And it's it's a pork chop with blueberries. <laughs> and they, they say, taste this. So we'll, I'll taste it. And I'm like, okay, we could do it for the summer. It's, this is delicious. Yep. Uh, yes. The Brussels sprouts, yeah, the Brussels sprouts are another big one. We, I have, I have guests come in every night. I was here for the Brussels sprouts. Where are they at? They'll be back in, in September, in September or October for, yeah, you know, for, the, for the fall. I do <laughs> love great produce item like that. It does. It takes its time, and it's not easy to get sometimes. Yes, and um, I, you know, for, to your accord, I love pork chops with like a grilled pork chop with like the, the blueberries and like mashing them up, making it into a compote or, or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, it's, we, it sounds like it might be strange, but like to our listeners out there, it's a great combination for your taste. Um, so, but speaking of taste, we only have a couple of minutes left. Um, why don't you let our listeners know some of the, uh, specials that are going on, like any happy hour moments or any events that are coming up. Um, I believe you have live music on Thursdays. So I'll go, I'll go through them. Uh, Tuesdays, we do two for Tuesday, two apps, two entrees and two appetizer or two desserts, uh, $65. Wednesday, we do all you can eat mussels, three different styles, uh, five, four, five, which has sausage, uh, white and red. Thursday Thursdays uh, we have Taylor Winner who will perform uh, live music. It is not every Thursday. It, it, we coordinate schedules. We are we've currently been doing limoncello workshops. Oh, nice! Yes, these these workshops that uh, we have we have 
six right now uh, through scheduled throughout. Well, it was June and July. Uh, we have another one this Wednesday. They pr- they pretty much sell out in in two days. Uh, guests for fifty people, sixty five dollars again. Uh, buffet, and we learn how to make cello. Which is a perfect um, compliment to at the end of any meal. Mm-hmm. Now, I try, uh, visit, I try to visit each table at the end of uh, their meal and bring them complimentary cello. There you go. Now, we had a lot of fun talking. Unfortunately, the time wound down really fast. So let our listeners know where to find you online and in person. We are uh, we are Osteria545.com is our website. Uh, my email is rich at Osteria545.com and Randy at Osteria545. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, you can find us, Osteria545. Uh, we are in Paulsboro, New Jersey, 545 West Broad Street, uh, with a telephone number of 856-599-1833. All right. Thank you so much, Rich and uh, Randy. And no problem. And we will be right back after this short break. To become a sponsor of Food Farms and Chefs and have your business or event promoted on two radio stations in Philadelphia that play on Tuesdays during Drive Time Radio and on a station in New York on Fridays at 1 p.m., you can email us at foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com, ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com, or arpolicus at gmail.com. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. And I am very happy to be able to introduce you to one of the co-founders of my local brew works and they are located out of globe dye works which is in philadelphia wayne welcome to the show hi pleasure to speak with you again no problem and for our listeners just so you know i actually uh went to the where they brew um and picked up these four beers that are behind me uh two of which that i've tried out and they are phenomenal my favorite so far out of the two that I've tried was the Miramont, um, which is a mead and it is phenomenal, but I don't, I'll, I'll save that like for later. Why don't you let our listeners know, Wayne, how did you actually start in brewing? So it's actually interesting. Um, my co-founder and I met, I had a general contracting company he actually reached out to me um, to hang speaker shelves in his house. Um, and after that <clears throat> successful endeavor occurred, we um, I, he, I was getting like a check from him and he was like, hey, he was like, I bought this homebrew kit. Have you ever been interested in brewing? And I'm like, you can do that yourself. So that goes to show you how much I knew and how much he knew about it when we started uh, back in 2009. Um, the second beer that we ever made was actually for my wedding, um, which happened in 2010. Um, and it was really in that moment when I watched people from Toledo, Ohio, that were baked in the major four um, brewing corporations kind of like open up their palace to this thing because I made it. Um it was really kind of an enlightening moment that kind of was the first kind of etch in the stone of what started my local brewers. Now, along the line, you at some point in time uh, collaborated with your, you know, co-founder, Tim. Um, so when when did you actually start brewing on an official capacity? So <clears throat> we were home brewers 
all the way up until 2020 per se. Um, so what happened was, is we had entered a bunch of brew competitions together as home brewers and we had done art openings and we had done all these things because the only thing you can do illegally um, as a home brewer is sell it. So um, slam right up to us doing, we, we entered our first application for uh, alcohol license in, on March 1st of 2020. And then 90 days after that, because I don't have to fill in any of the rest of the blanks, um, we retracted that license. And the reason that we did is because how My Local Brew Works was founded is we brewed beer at a large scale as home brewers to practice on our equipment. And then we gave that beer away to first responders, teachers, and basically anyone else who was affected by the pandemic, we would give them away in four packs for free at the uh, German Society on Spring Garden, uh, which allowed us to practice and get a much needed um, homemade, handmade um, brew to people in that that needed a break from everything we were going through at the time. Yes. Now, you... you um obviously showed me around your your current location uh something that is significant or distinguishes you from other craft beer or craft brewers is your process um so what it, what differentiates your process uh and you know how did george uh hummel come into play too so George has been our mentor since we started home brewing. Uh, I would say as early as 2010, we used a couple other homebrew supply stores before we found George. Um, and really what it was is George had realized that the entire um, homebrew world had gone to an online platform. And so we no longer needed the storefront. And so we worked out a collaboration where he was going to have a lease space in the front of our space, which was going to basically allow us to be able to brew on demand to whatever want any people wanted when they walked through the door. And it also gave us a way to keep a freshness rotation um, to what we, you know, what we do as, as the first custom craft brewing company. So from that point, <clears throat> like, uh, you know, I guess like that was where that synergy of of really kind of that first pillar that makes us different from any other brewery, which which really is our grain room, um, you know, is it was kind of like the foundation that that put forth the opportunity. And it was like, <clears throat> I would say that was that was more than a notch in the foundation. I think that that synergy is is really what was one of the founding pillars was the opportunity to have someone with George's history and foundation in brewing um, and not just the actual process, but the culture of it um, as, as one of our key pillars, you know, moving my local forward. Exactly. Uh, now I want to also add to the fact that when I was touring or, you know, in your location, which is in Northeast Philly. Um, I, I want to say that it was remarkable or it, it was, it resonated with myself that you create these beers that are literally, um, crafted to your taste. 
you know, this is a situation where if somebody wants to have a wedding and have, you know, a, a particular beer with a, you know, distinguished flavor profile at their wedding or at an event space, they can come to you and actually, you know, work with you to create that brew. So, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I, I always, I'm always so thankful for what George has contributed. So it, it really is one of those scenarios where like, sometimes I'll get lost in it. Um, but yeah. All right. So <clears throat> smallest fermenters in the commercial brewing world is basically the, uh, the title of, of this segment. Um, so we, we brew one barrel batches, which can be broken down into smaller portions, um, which does give us an incredible flexibility. Um, but I think one of the things that's super important um, that we put forth in the building of my local brew works, and, and I don't know if people can see what's behind me, but I'm, I'm currently in the boiler room of the factory that, that my local brew works was, was built in. Um, and the brewery is right on the other side of the wall from me. The brewery was built in the concept of if I was to bring people in to this incredibly intimate brewing experience, what environment would I want to be in? And so I, I built the brewery with the feeling of a clubhouse so that it was a warm and, and intimate experience where no matter if you're up on the mezzanine having lunch or you're down on the floor assisting us with doing additives to the brew, you always feel like you're a part of it. And, you know, and that's integral because when people walk in, you know, they, they kind of, they really do get that feeling. Like when I was there, I was just like, oh, wow, you were right there face to face with the different, um, Petals. help me out. Thank you. <laughs> kettles. Yes. I really did blank out for a second there, but yes, the kettles. Um, and one of the things that also resonated that you had stated is, you know, obviously you're working with the the individuals who come in to have this experience. Um, but you create, um, basically a menu, menu options and, you know, before they come in for, um, or after they come in with their consultation, you, uh, you offer up the different options and then they choose now take it from there. You know, what's your process? All right. So you contact my local brewworks and let's say you don't have a special event. You just want to do this super cool, intimate brewing experience that I even tell people that when they're in the brewery that, um, you know, it, it, it's an intimate experience to the point that commercial brewers don't even get the opportunity to be this close to their batch. And it's not their fault. They just have to brew beer at such large capacity that it's a lot of automation. So because we brew beer in such small batches, it allows you to have a firsthand contact with it in the fact that you get to smell all the aromas. Well, that's important on how we design your experience. So that being said, you first contact us and we design this batch of beer all the way down to, let's say you're having a family reunion and you're going to have an open pit barbecue. Um, we can actually pitch in a small portion of mesquite smoked grain to where when the people are drinking the beer, they're going to get the flavors and aromas from this pit of fire as if the beer was made right on that pit of fire, even though that's not even like 
feasibly possible. But that's the type of detail that we can put into it because we designed the beer with you from the ground up. Then you come in for your brewing experience. Your brewing experience is designed off of your batch of beer. So we, from the moment that you get there, you are learning every aspect of not only what it takes to create a beer, but the history that goes along with it, along with little tidbits of information that are going to make you a better beer drinker moving forward, such as how to even care for your glass. A lot of people don't even realize that their dishwasher is the greatest enemy in the world to their <laughs> beer glass. So these are all things that you learn on your brew day experience. And then from there, there's the creation of your custom label, if that's necessary. Maybe you just want to create a custom illustration that's going to be on the service table and you're going to serve it draft. That's awesome. But we have a connection of different um, graphic artists or you can use family members or whatever, and we'll just conform it to our templates. So then from that point, there is the element of, let's say I did a brewing experience and I didn't actually buy any of the beer that I made that day. Well, here's where it gets even cooler. Even if you just do the brewing experience, we can stay in communication with you via email that allows you to know where your beer is going to go on tap because I'm going to sell that beer to a restaurant or to a bar. And I'm going to inform you when that beer is going to go on tap and you can take you and all the people you brewed with or possibly some of your other friends and you can go to that bar and you can literally say, hey, dude, I made that. <laughs> Which is a very cool experience. And I want to um, I think it's the Philly finger is the one that um, you may have in, available in a specific uh, location right now. And I, you know, I, I also want to touch base on the fact that the 215 has a little bit of a local history to it. Yes. I mean, recent. So what <laughs> happened with the 215? So um, we basically, um, we were contacted by the 215 um, because we are a brand new form of craft brewing uh, within Philly, which has an amazing brewing history. Um, and we actually got to sit down with Mike Jarek uh, and Mike Greenwich, who's the executive producer. Uh, we designed their grain bill. Um, and you can actually see up um, there's there's actually a, a brilliant little teaser video that you can find online um, of the 215 segment of Mike Jarek deciding what flavors he wanted. Um, and it, that really is what we are though. You can throw, you can throw crazy at us. We will not let you, we will not let you make a bad beer. We yeah. will steer you in the right direction. So even if you throw something crazy, like I want a cranberry chocolate mead, um, we can then guide you in a way where you can achieve those flavors and maybe mead's not the best vessel. So like, that that type of scenario is essentially who we are. And then from there, we got to work with an amazing graphic artist um, who created the 215 uh, label for us. What they did is they took the logo of the 215 show, but then they created this beautiful, um, I don't know how much it'll show up on your camera, but the rendition of it is it has that faux metallic finish that's underneath. Um, and so they created this beautiful label and we got to brew the beer with the executive producer of the show um which it was amazing to it and it always is it is always amazing to witness how other people get to experience a process that i fell in love with you know over a decade ago and and i mean it's definitely like 
a huge opportunity too, because I don't know too many people that can go into a brew house and, you know, go, Hey, I'm thinking about making a beer, you know, would you work with me? Somebody like myself or, you know, somebody else who's in the hospitality industry that has that like back channel has that availability, but you have a particular nuance or, um, yeah, niche. Thank you. A niche that, um, that people can come to you and do some such things. I mean, it does. It, it, it presents its own bit of challenges there. Uh, because we are in the pilot phase of our brewery, we are not at full capacity. Uh, that's something to really put out there. Um, we are only at one fifth of our capacity currently. Um, and it is one of those scenarios where we appreciate every opportunity that we have to work with a new organization. Um, I didn't really know um, how far the fingers of this concept was really going to reach. I didn't. How about this? If, if you would have told me it was almost four years ago when this concept was started, mm-hmm. if you would have told me four years ago that I would have a dance company brewing, you know, with um, 10 dancers, two choreographers and four photographers um, in the brewery, making a beer with them that was going to support ovarian cancer research, I, I would have, I would have never have believed you that that was possible, but that's, that's, we've already done two of those. So it's, it's one of those scenarios where you, the brewing community is such a beautiful environment that I think it just inspires me more every day um, to be a part of this amazing culture um, that is, that has come out of craft brewing. Um, and I'm super proud to be a Philadelphia brewer, by the way. Um, the fact that a lot of our knowledge was obtained by fellow brewers within our own city, um, was, was something that, that struck a chord with me considering I was, I was a general contractor prior to this, um, which is a pretty cutthroat industry. Um, so to, to know that my my fellow brewers were my colleagues and not my competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, that there is a beautiful subculture of support within the city of Philadelphia that that really is a, a camar- like a straight up camaraderie um, was was something that was incredibly inspiring as well. Well, I'm glad to hear your story, and I'm glad to be somebody who can get your your brand and your. Um, your brewery out there for our listeners to, you know, indulge their senses. They're all like across the board with, and, um, hopefully we'll be able to bring you back on when you have everything, you know, up and running at its full capacity. But until then, let our listener know, listeners know where to find you online and in person. So if anybody is inquiring on either a custom beer or the, ultimate brewing experience you can reach us at beer at mylocalbrewworks.com our instagram handle is at mylocalbrewworks along with facebook um and we do have a series of competitions that we put out there to offer free brewing experiences to people um and ultimately you know one of the things to always remember is even though we have one signature beer, 
our real signature beer is your next special event. That's perfect. Thank you so much, Wayne, for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And I hope you have a great rest of your evening. Thank you. You too. And we will be right back with a brand new, exciting episode next week as usual. So tune in to Food Farms and Chefs for everybody that we had on this week and everyone that we'll have on next week. To listen to the rest of Food Farms and Chefs, tune your HD radio to 97.5 WPEN HD2 or stream live from WWDBAM.com. 